We're here at Circle K witnessing a legendary drink mix for 79 cents. Looks like he's going with red sports drink. And now lemon lime soda. Oh, the Cola Froster Top-Off. Polar Pops and Frosters are only 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. That was the new ciabatta collection by Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Welcome, everyone, to episode 254 of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we are going to talk about the NBA's Christmas Day slate, which just came out the other day. Also hit on Draymond Green's new extension, and some Carmelo Anthony news. Before we get to all of that, a reminder that you could follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. It would really help us out. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, back from his paternity leave, is my very stable genius of co-host, Morton Jensen. Mort, how's it going, man? It's going well, Brian. Uh, thank you to to both Mo and and Was for coming on and, and taking my seat for a couple episodes. Yeah, it's, it's going really well. Um, my son is is seventeen days old now, uh, pooping a lot, <laughs> eating a lot, and I swear, for someone seventeen days old, he makes the loudest farts I've ever heard. That's like amazing. I don't even think like my my, my firstborn, he's gonna be eight in three days. I don't think I've ever heard him fart as loudly <laughs> as Jordan, my 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 newly, my son um that's that's amazing to me like he was i was li- i was lying with him you know rocking him back and forth he was like going in and out of sleep and was watching a movie and then, like he had this this cover on him and even so with the cover he just heard like an explosion <laughs> oh, out. oh no and then i looked down on him, and you know at that age they still can't smile they can't figure out how to smile sure. but that didn't stop him. That came, it was like a very satisfied little grin, like oh, like that. That was great, man. That was great. So yeah, everything's good in the Jensen household. Lots of farts and, and lots of poop. Good, good. I, I feel bad for your toilet in a couple of years, but luckily. oh yeah, for for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Mort, let's start with the Christmas Day slate because the NBA announced that, or it, it started to leak out at least the other day. We have five games, as always. Uh, we don't know the order of them, but if I had to guess, we're going to start with Boston-Toronto, then go to Milwaukee-Philly. We have Clippers-Lakers, which I'm guessing gets the 5 p.m. primetime spot. Then we get Nuggets-Pelicans, and then probably, I'm assuming the nightcap is going to be Rockets-Warriors. So let's just go through and rank these 5-1 to one in terms mm. of the like, five is the one you're least excited to watch, and one is the one... Cancel family time for two and a half hours on Christmas Day. I'm sitting in front of my TV and I'm watching this basketball game. Well, I'm only watching three games that night. Okay. So, where which one is the one you're just out on immediately? Uh, Boston, Toronto. Me too. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, <clears throat> no offense if, if, to do not the franchise. First of all, I do believe that Toronto deserves to be there, considering they're the defending champions. For sure, I think they have not received enough respect lately for being the defending champions. Everyone is like, "Well, well, it was Kawhi who won the championship." No, no, like, yeah, he was the Finals MVP. He was the difference maker. I get all that, but like, that was a team effort. Yeah. Like, obviously, they're still the champions. Kawhi didn't take the championship with him <laughs> to LA. That stays in Toronto, so I think it's perfectly fine. But without him. Um, you're, you're looking at a team like I love Pascal Siakam, but but to me he's he's basically the only draw on on Toronto right now in terms of like must see TV. Like I'm still gonna watch them on League Pass all the time. Sure, but in terms of like Christmas Day and and premier uh, you know time uh, allocation and whatnot, like nah, no, not really. And I'm not all that high on Boston in terms of their. Uh, watchability either. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing Kemba. I'm looking forward to seeing how Jason Tatum develops, but yeah, they don't really... Uh, I'm not hyped about Boston as a, a lead pass ranking either. I yeah. mean, I'm sure they're going to be good, but I, I question whether they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm right with you. That was the one I have fifth on my list as well. Luckily, I mean, I'm assuming that's going to be the 12 p.m. game just because they're both East Coast teams. And usually that spot goes to the Knicks anyway. So that's always the game you don't have to watch. So luckily we're in the rhythm already of just skipping the 12 p.m. Eastern game. But yeah, I mean, thankfully we don't have the Knicks on the slate. Like at least all five games should be good, well-played basketball games instead of the Knicks taking after your 17 day old son and farting all over the court for two and a half hours yeah oh yeah for sure i i think i would actually prefer watching my son just <laughs> fart into his diaper sure yep yeah. yeah okay so what's fourth on your list well the same as you uh, because i'm sitting here with the email and and we're pretty much in agreement on the last two ones and that's golden state houston um so i i think there is the potential of them moving up, if D'Angelo Russell comes out just firing and everything seems to be, you know, hitting on all cylinders for for Golden State, mm-hmm. that could be fun. If if Stephen Curry is averaging like thirty seven points by that point, there's also some intrigue to see what he can do. But I'm just not into, uh, you know, the, the whole Golden State Houston angle. I, I I get that that's been played out because of the playoff uh, matchups and all that. I just don't feel it's the same team. Like, right. there's no KD. Clay's not going to be back there. And, and Houston is different now. Yeah, they still got James Harden, but now it's Russell Westbrook being his his you know, partner in crime. And mm-hmm. I'm not really all that excited about, you know, Russell Westbrook jacking up 40 shots and making 10. That's <laughs> not exactly what I want to spend my Christmas on. Right. Um, so so that's a little bit down. It, it does have potential to move up, but but that's, yeah. Yeah, and that's I, number four. I feel like Warriors fans, two of their three least favorite players in the league are James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So having them both on the same team is a Christmas nightmare for yeah. that team. But I'm with you. I'm I'm exactly the same wavelength. Sure, we've seen these two teams play in the playoffs the past few years. Both of those series have been super entertaining outside of game one this past year where it just turned into a cry about the referees fest. But as you said, this is not the Warriors dynasty where we just assume they're the only team in the West that's going to win the title, and then the Rockets are the only team that has the potential to stop them. Both of them are right in the mix. They should both be playoff teams, but neither of them project to be unbeatable. So, 
yeah, I mean, it just loses a little bit of the luster for that reason. I, you know, mm. I, I depending on if my wife is working Christmas Day, if she's got a 30-hour shift to the Mickey, I'm going to watch all five of these games. But if she's not, yeah, I probably skipped this one as well. Well, the thing about, you know, skipping games for me is because the late games are just at an unreasonable hour here. Oh, I, sure. I think it's pretty normal for me during the Christmas Day that I don't get to bed at around 8 a.m. <laughs> Because of those games? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Number three for me, the LA game. Really? Yeah. Why? The whole Lakers spectacle. I'm not really as interested in it as a lot of other people. Mm. Um, the, and, and, and besides, I kind of know how LeBron James plays by now. <laughs> Do you know how he plays with Anthony Davis, though? Yeah, I get it. I get there's some, some level of intrigue there, and I am, but I'm far more intrigued by the Clippers than I am the Lakers. Right. Um, and then you know it's just so impossible for me to put you know Lakers above Milwaukee at this point. Mm. I think I already know you're going to go the bas- the basketball hipster route here, but full disclosure, yeah. I, I had Lakers Clippers number one. Um, I know you did. Yeah, I I'm I mean. I made this list before I knew what the opening night games were, and those are Toronto uh, Pelicans and then also Lakers Clippers. So, yeah, we're gonna see. I mean, we're gonna see four of these games this year. You know, so that might take away a little bit of the luster, but and maybe a playoff series. Yeah, hopefully a playoff series. But you know, I'm guessing. I would assume that those are the the first two Lakers Clippers games. Like we'll get the opening night one, we'll get Christmas, and then we'll get two later in the year. Would be my guess because I just don't think mm-hmm. the NBA waste, wants to waste three of those bullets so early in the year. Um, but I mean, yeah, like the Lakers spectacle, as you said, you get tired of it after a while. But I just think both of these teams are so different from what they were last year. Obviously, you know, yeah. bringing in an Anthony Davis, and not only him, but a DeMarcus Cousins, a Danny Green, Quinn Cook. You, you have a lot of new faces in that Lakers locker room, and I'm excited to see how it all meshes after whatever last year was where you know all of the young guys and LeBron get hurt and they just kind of scuffle along to a sub-500 record. This Lakers team should be good. On paper, it is significantly oh, yeah. better than last year, and I think this will be a nice measuring stick game against a Clippers team who many including me, believe is the best team in the West. I mean, look, that the fact that I have them third is not, you know, in, in connected to their quality sure. or their, you know, their execution level, which, which I think will be high because it's LeBron and Anthony Davis primarily. Um, it's just a matter of, of the alternatives. Yeah. Like, I for the second one, you know, you and I agree on number two, Milwaukee-Philly. Yeah. Like, that's... <laughs> Giannis Embiid, Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton, you know, our boy Chris Middleton, uh, Josh Richardson, it's it, Al Horford. I was gonna say, don't, I, I don't disrespect Al Horford by leaving him no, off of that no, list. No, 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 no. I and I and don't go in, go the route like Boston fans. <laughs> Please don't. It's gonna happen all year. Just get used to it. Yeah. No, I mean that's just you know, how Giannis is gonna respond to you know the MVP season that he just. Yeah. My God, that dude does not care whatsoever about winning that award. Nope. Like, at all. Yeah. Did you see that he, there was some quote the other day where he was like, I'd happily trade in the MVP mm-hmm. for a gold medal at the Olympics. 
Oh, I, I think it was the oh, World, the World Cup. Oh my god, yeah. even better. I mean, I love him. I yeah. love him, and and you know, given that he's what twenty four. Yeah, yeah, twenty three, twenty four, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, he's only going to come back back better, sure. <laughs> which is absurd. Yeah, like, I think it was him who said something along the lines that he's only a sixty percent done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which then I mean, if you think of like that movie Lucy. Where it's like, okay, yeah. when he gets to 100%, is he going to melt into a black puddle that just absorbs everything? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's just basically going to be the control of the entire universe. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Sorry so for Lucy I, spoilers, everyone. I, I'm very intrigued about that matchup. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it's like the, it should be the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like something, like, let's just put that into perspective. Like, if Milwaukee and Philly is not the matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals... Something has either gone horribly wrong or just perfectly all right, or you know, just so much better for someone else, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it, that would just blow my mind if that's not the case, yeah. Because, I mean, you could maybe argue that sure, maybe they reach they play each other in an earlier round, but I just can't see a world in which one of those teams is going to be the number one seed, and unless the other one is just completely ravaged by injuries, I don't see a way that the other slips to number four or five like they they mm. should be two top three seeds one of them should be the number one so yes they should be on a collision course for the eastern conference finals and they played some really entertaining games especially last year toward the end of the regular season that was one of the best regular season games of the year in my opinion um they're super competitive and they will both know the stakes that yeah this is you know i was talking about lakers clippers being a measuring stick game Again, if this is an Eastern Conference Finals preview, let's see how we stack up four months in advance. Let's see if yeah. we need to make any major changes. I'm um, I'm all in on that game too. So so you Which have leaves number one. You have Pelicans Nuggets. How can I not? Okay. How can I not? Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, healthy Michael Porter Jr., Sion Williamson, Nikhil Alexander Walker. J.T. Redick, Derek Favors coming in like as a veteran leader, uh, Jackson Hayes. Come on now. You left out the Pelicans' best player, Drew Holiday. <laughs> I totally did. <laughs> you you named guys who aren't going to play or are going to play like five minutes. I, I you didn't even mention the, the MVP candidate. Yeah. 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 No, I I get it. I, I Look, it's going to be, in terms of style of play and entertainment, that probably will be. The most fun game, just because both of those teams are going to get up and down the court. I mean, they're, they're going to be two of the fastest-paced teams in the league, I'd assume. Two of the highest-scoring teams in the league. So, yeah, entertainment-wise, super interested in that. But I just don't think from a playoff perspective or, like, a what-does-this-mean-in-the-larger-scale perspective, this one has as much meaning as either Lakers, Clippers, or... Uh, Bucks, Sixers. So I had this one third on my list. For yeah, but reason. but I don't care about meaning here. Yeah. It's Christmas Day. I, I just want to you know I, I just want to sit there, watch something great while I eat like duck, right, and and roasted pork. Yeah, you just want a Hobbs and Shaw on Christmas. You want? <laughs> I I saw that on on the opening day actually. Really? I yes, need, I did. I need to see it. My wife it, it has no interest, so I, I need to recruit some friends. Yeah, I, I was I was fortunate enough. My, my wife said, "Yeah, I could go by myself." Nice. So so she she took she took the kids for a couple hours, and I'm very thankful because, good lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So either way, I mean, 
Christmas Day is loaded this year. I think it has something for everyone. Uh, and the NBA should be rewarded for making a good schedule. That does not include the mm. Knicks. We, yeah. <laughs> on behalf of all NBA fans, we thank you, Lee. Yeah. No, for sure. And in including Canada a little bit more. Yeah. It's also. Yeah. We're here at Circle K witnessing a legendary drink mix for 79 cents. Looks like he's going with red sports drink. And now lemon lime soda. Oh, the Cola Froster Top-Off. Polar Pops and Frosters are only 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. We're here at Circle K witnessing a legendary drink mix for 79 cents. Looks like he's going with red sports drink. And now lemon lime soda. Oh, the Cola Froster Top-Off. Polar Pops and Frosters are only 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. So let's now pivot more to the Warriors and Draymond Green in particular. Mm. Because on Saturday morning, out of nowhere, Adrian Wojnarowski tweets that Dre has agreed to a four-year Hundred million dollar max extension to stay with the Warriors through, I believe, 2023, 2024. So that basically means Steph, Clay, Dre are all locked on the Warriors through the rest of their primes, which is great. Uh, the first thing that we need to address is because I saw this question going around a lot on Twitter yesterday: is how is this a max extension? Couldn't he make a lot more money if he just became a free agent? And the answer is mm-hmm. yes, he could have, but. Extensions, the starting salary of an extension, you're limited to offering 120% of what they earned this past season. Dre's making about, I think, $18.5 million this year, this coming season. So he was limited to $22.2 million as a starting salary in the extension. There, he just, from there, just standard 8% raises. So yes, this is, in terms of an extension, this is the, the most he could have gotten. And we'll, we'll address that shortly. But more just in terms of the deal for Dre and for the Warriors, what'd you think? I mean, so I was pretty nervous about his situation for Golden State's perspective, but this is good. Mm. I, I don't have a major problem with this. Um, I, you know, I don't think it's going to look great at the end of it necessarily, mm. um, because I, I, I don't really know if his body will just keep being productive at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But for now, for the next two or three years, yeah, I'm good with it. Yeah. Um, he's he's just such a crucial part to, to their success, their defense, their playmaking. I mean, and he really stepped it up in the playoffs yeah. here this year. Um, and, and he lost, what was it, was it 20, 25 pounds? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, yes, somewhere out there. His, yeah. his March, I was super out of shape diet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure necessarily it was that amount of of pounds <laughs> taking off. He looked very similar, right? He did. He just he looked like he moved a lot better. Oh, so yeah. if we assume that's the version of Draymond that the Warriors are getting moving forward, then this is a steal. This is great. If it's not, then I'm a little bit iffy on it. Interesting. See, I, I th- my gut reaction immediately was this is a hell of a deal for Golden State. I did not see him taking an extension at all because he if he became a free agent next summer he signs somewhere else he can get 151 million dollars on a four-year max deal he stays with the warriors on a five-year max he can get 203 million dollars so he took yeah. i mean again that that assumes that someone is going to offer him the max and bobby marks of espn tweeted yesterday that only five teams are projected to have 
25 plus million in cap space. He didn't include the Knicks because they have all of those non-guaranteed contracts and second year team option type deals. But the Knicks could also join the party very easily there. So there weren't, it's not like this summer where there are a ton of teams with max cap space and teams are going to fall all over each other because there's only so many star free agents. Next year's free agent class is mostly terrible, but there also just weren't that many teams where it makes sense from where you are in a competitive window. Plus we have 25, 30 million in space to offer you a max. So yeah, he probably wouldn't have gotten a max. I I mean, I I think that's fair to say, but yeah, I still do think he took less than he could have gotten next year. Had he become a free agent. Now I, I, I would agree with that. That's fair. Yeah. And, and I don't begrudge him for doing so. I mean, if you're on a team that's won three titles in the last five years, that's made it to five straight finals, that you're happy on, that you you know you enjoy playing with Steph and Clay, you realize that your career would not have been what it was had you gone to another team. Had you gone to the Sacramento Kings, you would not be a three-time champion. You're you're playing with the best backcourt shooting backcourt of all time. Mm-hmm. Let it ride. I yeah, I get it. And you know I I I think. Watching what happened, like he had a front row seat to Clay and KD suffering major injuries. Now both of those guys still got max deals, but maybe he's also he was a, a teammate with Demarcus Cousins last year, and maybe he's looking at Demarcus Cousins and sees like, man, if I have one major injury, that could go from a hundred million guaranteed to five million, because I have a similar reputation as Demarcus, like I as a. A guy who's got a really fiery personality, who's sometimes hard to control, who sometimes makes really dumb decisions, like kicking people in the nuts during the NBA Finals. You know, maybe he thinks, like, all it takes is one wrong step, and I'm scuffling for one-year contracts for the rest of my career. Yeah. So, I mean, right. I I, I do think we also need to look at... I agree with you. Like he's looking at it from that perspective. I, I I do agree that there may be someone out there who's willing to pay more, but at the same time, we also have to look at some of the numbers that he put up this year and 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 try to compare that to to what the market would dictate. I mean, let's let's be honest here for a second. He's had a declining assist rate over the past uh, or like uh, from last year to to now. Mm-hmm. He had a career high in turnover percentage. He had the one of the worst block percentages since his rookie season. Uh, you know, he was just not as complete a player as he used to. He only used the playoffs of this of last season to really catapult himself back into the conversation of where he used to be. Right. I think that carries some momentum as well because he's going to be thirty in March. Yeah. When when teams are locking up long term deals, age becomes a huge factor, and recent um, milestones or, or statistical accomplishments also carry a lot of weight. So when you see that he's gone down from year to year in many statistical categories, you kind of look at it from, okay, what are we investing in? Like, mm-hmm. because is he going to get worse and all that? So I, maybe there was a team out there that would have given him just a smidge more, but all the talk about like the max, I don't know. I, I, I mean, do you, th- if you really being honest, do you think there was a team out there that would have offered him a max deal, like full four? Not a smart team, but the Knicks are out there. That's true. That's, I mean, that's what I always go back to is. Yeah, the Knicks exist. Right. Yeah, exactly. And maybe they wouldn't have given him a four year max deal, but maybe they give him a two year max deal and he makes 
70 plus million dollars in two years instead of 100 million over four. That's just a lot of money. Here's the thing as well. I mean, I'm not saying that Draymond Green is a system player. Because I, I, I look at it the other way around. I think he is a system. He is the system. Right. Like he's right, right. one of those. But I don't necessarily think you can insert him as a system everywhere else. Yeah. I do think he needs to have, you know, severe volume shooters like Stephen Clay to really, you know, kind of hide the fact that he cannot score the basketball. Mm-hmm. Because he's not a great scorer. Nope. Like now, imagine that he goes to the Knicks, <laughs> and like. Who does okay? So he has RJ Barrett next to him, <laughs> right? Like, what's the value there? What's the worth? What does he do there? Well, the Knicks, in their goal to accumulate all of the power forwards in the league, he would have been a perfect fit. <laughs> that, that That is true, yeah. So he and Julius Randle would share minutes with Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson, that, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> No, I just I think Dre is one of those guys who's just he's in a perfect system. Yeah. Oh, like, for sure. Every, everything around him, like everything around him, fits him, and he fits you know the stuff around, uh, or you know, you know, Steph and Clay would not be getting as many great shots on the perimeter if not was him. So both sides benefit from each other uh, a lot. So the question just really becomes, you know, do you need me more than I need you? Right. I just think they both reach the conclusion, hey, we need each other almost equally. And here's a contract that makes sense long term. You know, like you said, you, you're going to get a lot of financial security for the next you know, four years after this deal. And you're going to be, what, 30, what, 34, 35? Mm-hmm. 34, I believe, at the end of yeah. it. Yeah. All right. And at, at which point, like his career is lacking towards the end, I think oh, it's yeah. fair to say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder now, I was saying this yesterday on Twitter, I wonder if we've reached a point where the money is just so astronomical that for these non-top five, top 10 players, for these, like, you know, top 20, top 25 guys, the guys who Mm. maybe possibly could have gotten a Supermax if, you know, everything broke, right? Like, Dre could have gotten a Supermax if he won Defensive Player of the Year this coming year, or... If he was named to an all-NBA team, neither are necessarily likely, but both were possible. And a year ago, he was talking about, I don't want to sign an extension because I want to see if I can become eligible for a Supermax, which is part of why I'm surprised he took this deal in the first place. Um, But I'm wondering if at a certain point you're looking at it and you're like, I'm making $100 million. Do I really need $150? Do I, do I need that extra 50 million? Like, that is generational wealth, man. It's not like you are set for life. Your kids and your kids' kids and your grandkids' kids. Like, you, your family is going to be set until this planet gets nuked from global warming. Like Unless you're Antoine Walker. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But, you know, I mean, there's at a certain point, I just think the money now has gotten so big that I think the team that figures out, okay, yeah, we could talk our guys into taking slightly less than what they could possibly earn on the open market. It's going to have a huge advantage, and that all they need to do is point back to pre-cap spike numbers and say, like, look, you know, LeBron James in 2010, I believe he signed a six-year deal worth like 108 million dollars to go to Miami. It was less than a decade ago. That's two years more than your deal for around the same amount of money. You just you know, at, at a certain point, do you really need more than a hundred billion dollars? What are you going to do with that extra twenty billion? 
I, well, I mean, yeah, I, as one who doesn't have that amount of money, I obviously agree with you. Right. But you also hear, like, LeBron, you just brought up LeBron, who's like, hey, you know what? We're underpaid. Yeah. I, I want to maximize my earning potential. Yeah. Kobe Bryant did not take a, a discount back in the day, whereas Dirk was like, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll take, like, five million right, right. or whatever. Like, I, so I think it comes down to just the person that you are. Yeah. I, I mean... You know, some people may think, you know, I'm a I'm a player. I have a limited earning uh, window, and I'm just gonna make the most of it. And I don't care if I need it or not. I just, that's that's a principle of mine, which right. is like fair. That's right. fair if you're a superstar and all that. That's fine. Where others are just more lenient in that way and going, well, you know what? I don't need it. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm family. I have financial security. I've already made a hundred million over the first you know ten years of my career or whatever. Like I'm good. So it's just it comes back entirely in my in my opinion to to the individual. Yeah. And Draymond, I think, could I mean I know that he said, oh, I, I want to see if I'm eligible for a supermax, whatever. I, I he just doesn't rub me as a guy who's like all about the Benjamins necessarily, right. even though right. he said that. Yeah. So I think he knows, you know, I'm in a I'm in a good system. This system has you know catapulted me into all star status, you know, one of the greatest defenders of all time. Maybe it's not smart to leave. I mean, <laughs> right. when you look at some of those big deals being signed where players who are entering that age where they might be able to decline or where they're in that danger zone of it, you know, it can go bad. If you look at Ben Wallace signing in Chicago back in 2006, like he came off a defensive player of the year season in Detroit and was you know, fantastic, but he was 32 and the Bulls signed him were like, I think it was four years, 60 million, which back then was huge amount of money mm-hmm. and he just like it was a major flop yeah i mean because the system wasn't built to him look at chris paul in houston where you sign him to a max deal not that exactly. long ago and all of a sudden you have to attach picks just to get off of his contract right yeah now and I, and to be clear i don't want to demonize players if for take you know for pursuing the most amount of money possible i think you do you i don't blame you but i'm Right. I'm just, you know, hypothetically saying, like, at a certain point, have we reached just the money is so preposterous that you don't need to chase every single dollar. It, it's, it is more of a status symbol at that point than it is, oh, I, I need this much money. I think it's more yeah. like I'm a max guy and that's what this means. So I think this is actually a nice compromise because technically he did get a max extension. He is a max guy. It's just they were limited in how much they can offer him. Yeah. And that's the final point I want to make about this whole thing is I wrote a piece on Forbes about this yesterday about how extension rules are kind of dumb in that regard. Like, it doesn't make sense that the Warriors could have offered him almost $100 billion more next year than they could this year just because of the way extensions are set up. And a lot of this, mostly the original sin of this mostly goes back to the cap spike of 2016 because the cap just increased so much in one summer that there's no way that extensions signed prior to that summer were ever going to make sense for guys coming off of those deals. The same was with Kyrie Irving. You know, the most the Celtics could have offered him on an extension was about $108 million. The most he could get a free agent from another team was 140. He could have gotten 190 if he stayed with the Celtics. So, you know, if, if, a, if a team was able to just say, we want to extend you. We are able to offer you 
your full max salary the first year of that extension. If the Celtics could have done that last year in October when Kyrie's giving this conference to the season ticket holders and saying, I plan on re-signing here, <laughs> is he still a member of the Celtics? I I don't know, but I, no. I think if, you know, if NBA teams are concerned with the amount of player movement we saw this summer, which based on reporting from Zach Lowe and others, they are, I think... Yeah looking at revising the way extensions work and the next collective bargaining agreement is a good place to start. And I think it just makes sense that if you're, you know, there's, I don't see a reason why you shouldn't just be able to offer a guy his full max salary based on his years of experience in the first year of an extension. Yeah. And also flip-flopping the years of service. That's I alluded to in a piece on Forbes uh, last month. Because it just makes no sense that when you're at your oldest, that's when you can earn thirty five percent of the cap. <laughs> right, right. That's that makes no sense. It's it's one of the biggest issues that there is in, in terms of the the money part of the NBA. Yeah, yeah. There there's a lot. I mean, I understand why the system is set up as it was, and extensions previously could only be I think one hundred and seven point five percent of their starting salary. So one hundred and twenty percent was actually seen as an upgrade, but Again, that didn't account for an unprecedented cap spike where right. the cap jumped $24 million. And, and this might become less of an issue. I did the math on, like, if an Andrew Wiggins, for instance, who signed his extension after, he could make more on an extension, about $3 million more, than he could as signing a free agent with another team. So maybe it's less of an issue now that we're past the cap spike, but what if there's another cap spike at some point? Like, I, right. I just think setting the system up to account for any variables by just saying you can make your max max salary first year of an extension that's cool that at least eliminates the, oh well we could upgrade it to 130 percent no just just tie it to their max salaries and you have less of a problem if you're really interested in tamping down player movement i agree um and i mean just to round on wiggins do you think that when the minnesota timberwolves arranged for that max extension to him you know, when they got the promise from him that he was supposed to get better. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think they asked him specifically, hey, now that you're getting all this money, could you allocate like $90 a year for Stephen Curry's masterclass? <laughs> it didn't work. But I, hey, I've seen some off-season videos where he looks good. The Andrew Wiggins oh, trade. Oh, oh, hashtag muscle watches yep. back on. Oh, I yeah, baby. Yep. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. That was the new ciabatta collection by Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Speaking of off-season trading videos, Carmelo Anthony has been in the news as of late. One Future Philadelphia 76er Carmelo Anthony. 
Sixers do not have a roster spot for him. They'll find one. Unfortunately. <laughs> they might, yeah. Furkan Korkmaz may not be long for this world. But uh, so his trainer the other day was on The Breakfast Club and was talking about how he wanted a farewell tour, apparently, which he pushed back on. Um, he went on first take on Friday with Stephen A. Smith and, and gave a whole like hour-long, very candid interview, I think, about how he wants to... To get back in the league, he, you know, he he doesn't think he basically is like, are you telling me there are 15 players on every team? There are 30 teams. There are 450 players better than me, or is this about politics? Which I think is fair at some point. Yeah. You know, I I think you could very realistically argue, Carmel and this trainer said this too. Carmel is more talented than 60 percent, 70 percent of the players in the league. I, I, I have trouble arguing against that. I think in terms of pure talent, you can't tell me that. You're right. Carmelo Anthony is more talented than Furkan Korkmaz. Right. But, and here's the big but, does he make sense? Does he still have a spot in the league today? Does he make sense in a reduced role? Yeah, if he accepts it. Isn't that what this boils down to? Accepting your role? Like, you had Chauncey Billups a couple weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. saying that he's not there yet. Yeah. Like, he's not, he hasn't accepted the fact that he's not the superstar yet. Right. And, I mean, <laughs> Chauncey, if anyone should know about that, like, that's his former teammate. Yeah. Um, so, so it's about, I mean, look, again, I don't think anyone is really looking at Melo saying, oh, you know what, you're, you're not talented. You're not, you're not be able, you're not going to be able to be productive. They're looking at Melo as a guy who is more focused on taking like six pull-up jumpers a game right. when it needn't be, right. and and just playing within the flow of an offense, which he hasn't really done ever. But but you're right. I mean, you just take that analogy again. Like let's let's look at the league's just least talented team, the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. Is Carmelo Anthony technically, if he was added to that roster, the most talented player on it? <laughs> I was thinking. Could you make the argument at least? Yeah, I was thinking of the Wizards too. Like, would he not just walk into a starting spot on the Washington Wizards right now? Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good point. They right. might. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think I mean, so. they took a chance on Dwight, so they. Right. I mean, yeah. there are spots in the league for him. I think you're right. It it boils down to whether he's willing to accept that role, and you know, because in OKC he arrives in OKC in 2017, and they ask. Are you willing to come off the bench? And he literally laughs. He he just doesn't respond. He just laughs, which was not a great sign. And then no. at the end of that year, you know, he plays seventy eight games, plays thirty plus minutes at uh, in OKC. And after the season, they ask, you know, are are you willing to sacrifice? And he's like, I ain't sacrificing no bench role, which mm-hmm. was also not a great sign. So then OKC trades him to the Hawks. The Hawks release him. He signs with. Houston, and he has a 10-game stint there that didn't go all that well. Houston just got off to a slow start, and I think, you know, there was the Sham Sharania piece recently where a, a former teammate of his said, basically, like, we, you know, he became the scapegoat for that slow start. It wasn't anything that he did. I think ultimately it comes down to, as you said, is he willing to accept the role? But more importantly, there there's, like, two types of former superstars aging out there's the Allen Iverson who 
like Carmelo, like when, when Allen Iverson hit the end of his career, he went to Detroit and Memphis for three games and then back to yep. Philly for a little bit. In Detroit, he pushes back against getting benched and he accuses the coach of lying to him about coming off the bench. Memphis, the same deal. He, you know, he comes off the bench for three games. He's like, no, this just isn't for me. I can't do it. Uh, and then there's the Vince Carter types who were once 25 point per game scorers, but then reinvented himself later in his career to be more of that role player type, more of, as you said, it catch and shoot. We're not pulling up all the time, not isoing anymore. But to me, it's even more, it's not just the offensive profile. It's not, you know, everyone wants him to go back to Olympic mellow where he's just taking a bunch of catch and shoot threes. And that's great. Offensively. Yes. That's what he needs to do. But from a role player, which is what he needs to be right now, mm-hmm. you also need the other little things. Is he setting screens? Is he boxing out? Is he diving for loose balls? Is he getting hands in passing lanes? And right. that's the type of stuff that we've never seen from him. He's just not... I mean, he was never a good defensive player. And, right. you know, in the last two years, in OKC and Houston, he's ranked toward the bottom of his team in almost all of those categories. So, you know, I'm thinking... From a Sixers perspective, I'm thinking, who would I rather have, Carmelo Anthony or James Ennis? And Carmelo Anthony is a much more talented player than James Ennis, but I know James Ennis is going to do the dirty work that you need out of a seventh man. Right. And I'm not I'm not convinced Carmelo is at that spot yet or he's ever going to get there. No. I mean, you need to look at Melo at what he can do. So so let's, let's look at what he can. He can shoot. He's yeah. a much improved shooter over the past, like, five years. Yep. He he's still an asset on the glass. Like he's not gonna like you just said. He's not he's not going to box someone out for other teammates to get rebounds. Like he's going after them him, him damn himself. Right. Uh, but he can rebound. He can run in transition. He's actually an underrated passer. He there is an element of Jabari Parker to him in mm-hmm. the sense that he can make the right reads. Okay, so now you have a guy who can shoot, who is a decent rebounder. And who's a decent passer coming off the bench. But he he doesn't play defense. He doesn't set a lot of screens. He doesn't die for loose balls. He's not great on switches, like, at all. Mm-hmm. Now the question becomes, what, how many minutes do you give to a guy like that? Right. Like, what type? Because n- n- obviously the role is bench player. Like, yeah. that's not a starting caliber player anymore. It's just not. Even though he's talented as all hell, that's just not... A starting caliber NBA player in 2019. Right. It's just not. Or he could start on a bad team, but what's the point? Well, I actually have a point about that later on. Okay. So okay. remind me to return to that. Okay. But yeah, I mean, when you when you picture a guy like he's primarily an all, he's basically a perimeter version of Ennis Cantor. Yeah. Okay. Twenty minutes. Twenty four minutes tops. If you're on a like you said, a somewhat bad team. Mm-hmm. But if he, he wants to win as well, right? I mean, he 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 doesn't want to go to a bottom feeder, right? He wants he wants to compete, yeah. So the higher up the ranking he goes in terms of a team, the less minutes are going to be available to him, and he just cannot correlate that, you know, for himself at least, and 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 make logic out of it, even though it's obvious, right? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's the problem, and when you're trying to figure out, okay, well, which teams does he make sense on? He doesn't make sense for a rebuilding team, because what's the point? You're not gonna. Right. You, you, if you're Atlanta, sure, he could maybe play as your 
tenth man. You could maybe well, they already have Jabari Parker, <laughs> right? So. Yeah, exactly. You could just have the Spider Man meme with those two guys. Yeah. Well, there's there's one reason it would work. If you're sneaky tanking. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, because that's that's the question with him is yeah he could still get buckets of course he's always been an elite scorer he's not what he once was but he you know he'll be putting up 50 at the y when he's 50 years old like he's never gonna lose that ability but is he a net positive are all of the other things that he doesn't bring to the table do they detract from his effectiveness as a scorer Given that his scoring has declined, yes, because he's still a good scorer, but over the past two seasons, over the, well, I mean, you can barely call this a season. He played 10 games this year. Right. But over the past 88 games, he shot around 40% from the field. Yeah. And I get that that's with more three-point field goal attempts and all that, mm-hmm. but he's also not getting to the line a whole lot. So the offensive game is regressing to a certain point. So this becomes a balanced thing because he, if he was the guy who can come out still and give you 25 at night on you know at least average efficiency i okay you could live with that but he's not that guy anymore right so so now this offensive reputation which is still fine like he's still an above average scorer in the terms of how he can get buckets like this is carmelo anthony he knows stuff he knows how to put the ball in the basket that you know 99 percent of the league uh, just does not understand right but given that he's that that his talent on that level or that end of the floor is declining and none uh, no other talents like for example vince carter who just who become became better at all the dirty stuff right like when none other of those talents go upwards when his offensive game which is his primary strength goes down then you're just looking at a lose-lose situation on his part because oh okay you're not the you know 28 point score that you used to be that's fine let's see what we can use you for have you become better screener no better defender no um all right then then we have an issue. So again, it's it's about role minutes. I I, I don't know if he's ready to accept that. I, I, the interview he did come off like, hey, I would be ready to take on anything, but I don't know if that's just him talking. Yeah, I mean, right. That I mean, that's the that's the problem. I just I, you could take he he said that he's willing to accept any role. Like he went on first take. And he said, look, I, you know, it, it was a huge hit to my ego when I went to OKC. And then it was an even bigger hit to my ego when I went to Houston and they asked me to come off the bench. Like, he, he is mentally, it sounds like he is mentally starting to prepare himself for that transition. Whereas Allen Iverson just never got there. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe he can make that change. But again, it all comes back to, are you going to get the, like, gritty glue guy stuff that you need out of him and that's what i just i keep coming back to yeah like he's i mean offensively he has already started to change his profile he used to be just pull up jumpers isolation scorer and he was good at it because he was the number one option that's he can't do that anymore and he's pivoted into more catch and shoot jumpers and he i think in okc he shot almost 38 percent on catch and shoot threes that's good you know that's that's the type of shift you need out of him on offense. But offense is not the only part of the game. And I keep coming back to, is his impact because he's not a great defender and he's not going right. to go after loose balls and all that stuff, does that outweigh the positive contributions he's going to make on offense? Especially, as you said, 
if he is not as efficient as he once was. And it's not like he was ever a paragon of efficiency. We're not talking about LeBron James here. Like, right. This was a guy who's always been somewhat of a high-volume, low-efficiency shooter. Now he's even less efficient than he was back in his prime. Agreed. I, no, I mean, that it doesn't outweigh it. It, it, it outweighs it to, to the negative sense in, in that you don't, you don't offer enough to a basketball team to become you know, a rotational player, given mm-hmm. that you don't do all that dirty stuff. I still, I still think it could be fun to see him like in Charlotte. If Charlotte is is probably going to be one of the worst teams this year, mm-hmm. might as well cement it just by signing him. There's the Brand Jordan connection as well. Mm-hmm. Like just get him into a Hornets jersey, start him, play him like 35 minutes a game. <laughs> just let him chuck yeah. all, every shot he wants to. Yeah, and then just kind of guarantee them that they're gonna make you know be the worst team in the NBA. <laughs> right. Right, the the sneaky tank, yeah. The sneaky tank, because like then you look at it as, hey, you know what? He got what he wanted. He got shots, and he got numbers, right. and they get a guaranteed top five draft pick. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I, I have been trying to rack my brain recently and think, okay, which teams make sense for him? Which type of teams make sense for him? In terms, if, you're, if you remove the sneaky tank from the equation, because, yes. Okay. Yeah. Hornets, Wizards... Easily could sneaky tank with him. But, you know, realist, as I said before, like an Atlanta Hawks team that's clearly rebuilding, has a lot of young talent. Yeah, no. You don't want Carmelo taking away shots from those guys. Even the, even the Knicks. Like, you, you have 17 power forwards on your roster. you got to figure out what you have with R.J. Barrett and Kevin Knox. And No, you don't want to do that. So those right. types of teams are out. I think championship contenders are out because, as you said, there's just not going to be enough minutes for him to, you know, really get the type of playing time he wants, even though he says he wants to join a title contender. But, you right. know, a team like, I don't, I just don't see him fitting on a Milwaukee Bucks or a Clippers. No. It just or, or a Denver Nuggets, because then you would have to sacrifice minutes at Jeremy Grant. Like, right. And, and Jeremy Grant fits the profile right. of a 2019 NBA. And, and I'm just using Grant as an example, because many do. Yeah. But then you would have to sacrifice a player who fits the mold of basket, how basketball be, is being played now just to get, you know, a look at some nostalgia. Yeah. And Jeremy Grant's almost the polar opposite of Anthony in the sense that he's not an elite isolation scorer. And you're not going to call upon him for a bunch of pull-up jumpers. But he does right. do everything else that you want out of a complementary role player. And that's what's going to help him carve out a long NBA career. He's a very mm-hmm. good, rangy, versatile defender. And that's the type of thing you need. You don't, you know, you don't need him to be a high usage shooter or scorer when you have a Jokic, a Jamal Murray, a Gary Harris, hopefully Michael Porter Jr., Will Barton. You know, you have a bunch of guys who can get you buckets. Jeremy could just score on cuts and slashes to the basket. Like you don't want him pulling up five times a game. But because of everything else he brings to the table, he's super valuable in that role. So, yeah, I'm immediately removing all of the top-tier title contenders. To me, the teams that make sense are those teams just, like, kind of stuck in the middle, like, right in that 7-8 to eight mix, especially in the East. You know, I could talk myself into him on the Detroit Pistons or the Miami Heat. I don't think they have cap space because they're What about capped. the Spurs? Yeah, I'm thinking about them, actually. 
I get that Spurs fans are going to be in our mentions. Oh yeah, immediately yeah. Sorry, Jesse. This. I apologize yeah. in advance. But but I mean, yeah. Like if anyone could, you know, I mean, look what Rudy Gay was in somewhat of a similar boat. Rudy right. Gay was, I mean, and he is he is more in the Vince Carter mold now, where he is transitioning somewhat seamlessly from I was a twenty plus point per game scorer to yeah, I'll score 10, 11, 12 points a game, but I'll give mm-hmm. you everything else. I don't hate that. No. I mean, obviously, you would have to discuss, you know, the the, the risk of, of Melo taking away minutes from Trey Lyles. Right. Or Lucas Amanjic or Kelton Johnson or whoever's going to be on, you know, the small forward slash power forward positions. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that given that Bertans was a gone, you know, maybe. And, and given that the core, the primary stars, like all, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, you know, are, yeah, well, DeMar is turning 30 in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But they're they're on the on, on the other side of thirty. Like maybe it fits together. Like Lamarcus also also had to like alter his game when he initially got there. Right. I think that could be a situation where there are a lot of people who could go up to him and say, "Hey, you know what? We found success here." Like Rudy Gay, Lamarcus, to some extent, DeRozan. I think when he played so well last year with this person, especially as a playmaker, I think he he really altered his game a lot. In terms of like, hey, you know what? I can go out and get you thirty, but I need to be more facil- a facilitator. Right. Like there, there are some some players there who might be able to open his eyes and go, hey, this makes sense. But going back to Detroit, I mean, that could be fun. It almost it seems like Detroit is that team where a lot of former stars goes. Like you mentioned, Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. like Chris Webber back in the day as well. Well, Derek Rose right, right now. Derrick Rose right now as well. Oh, see, now we're getting the Derrick Rose-Carmelo Anthony pairing that the Bulls were supposed to have in 2014. Right, yeah. If, if yeah. 2011 came calling, <laughs> this would oh, be... Oh, God, yeah. Blake Griffin in 2011 plus those two guys, yeah. But, I mean, you know, they have Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, they have Markeith Morris off the bench. Domboya would probably not see playing time. Christian Wood would probably not see playing time if Carmelo came or not much. But, well, see, now that it's out, then. I know, I know, I know. That immediately disqualifies it in your mind. But, you know, yep. they are somewhat thin behind Griffin and Drummond. So I conceptually, I could yeah. see. It's just those teams where it's like I, you don't have championship upside as currently constructed. So, you're. I mean, in theory, you're just desperate to make a playoff push. And in that case, great add him and see what happens like the heat again i don't i am pretty sure they are too close to the hard cap to sign him they would have to trade someone but maybe you could talk yourself into it i guess it's just you know when you you start to go over some depth charts here like i you know i I saw dave defore of the athletic is pushing mellow to the warriors which Oh, oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he's joking, but maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, like, well, maybe Steph and Clay could, and Dre can get him to just buy in on, you know, they they did with Demarcus Cousins, to some extent. Well, uh, so, so here's the thing about Boogie, okay? Oh, sorry, Demarcus. Yeah. See, no, I did. Uh oh. Um, he had so many more tools. Like he he would box out, right? He would rebound. He could pass. Like he could give he could give you five assists a game. He could shoot. Mm-hmm. Like I get the defensive activity was not great. Yeah, but that was literally the only thing 
a on-court perspective that was not great. Well, his offensive efficiency as well, not mm-hmm. always great. But he just had so many venues that he could go to if possible. Like, Melo doesn't have that. Right. Yeah. I, and that's that's the problem. It's just you really start to look over some depth charts here, and it's it gets increasingly more difficult to find a team that makes sense unless, as you said, it's the sneak tank. But at that point, I mean, Melo went on first take and said, like, I want to join a championship contender. That's... Or I just... He said, I want to win a championship. That's all I'm playing that's, for. That, that's fine. You can be the 15th man on the Clippers. Right. Or whatever. But then he also said, I want playing I time. And that's where... Right. You're not... It's not going to happen on a on a contender. So Well, I mean, if you want... If he wants playing time and he wants to win a championship, I know that right now, you know, Barcelona <laughs> right. is just loading up. Right. He didn't specify what type of championship. That That is very true. Yeah. Yeah. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. We're here at Circle K witnessing a legendary drink mix for 79 cents. Looks like he's going with red sports drink. And now lemon lime soda. Ooh, the Cola Froster Top-Off. Polar Pops and Frosters are only 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Let's finish up quickly with some comments from David Griffin. uh, Because the current New Orleans Pelicans general manager, former Cleveland Cavs general manager was in the news recently because Jake Fisher of Sports Illustrated had a great fit a great feature on basically how Griffin rebuilt the Pelicans and you know it, Pelicans fans loved it like it, it had that very high on you know he's talking about how he wants to have a very like familial culture and you know involve everyone it was really good uh, but he talked about how his experiences in Cleveland shaped that and this was the quote that everyone basically, you know, on Twitter quote cards started circulating everywhere. Everything we did was so inorganic and unsustainable and frankly not fun. I was miserable. Literally the moment we won the championship, I knew I was going to leave. There was no way I was going to stay for any amount of money. So he was referring to just building around, not only building around LeBron James, but just the pressure in Cleveland in particular, with you know Dan Gilbert as the owner, and just a lot of it is the pressure of building around LeBron James. Like LeBron is such a singular force that we see it. I mean, we saw it in Cleveland. He came to a lottery team and turned them into a Finals team overnight. You know, mm-hmm. there is the, at the immediate pressure to win now and do whatever it takes. And I, I think part of what he's referring to with the inorganic and unsustainable was. They basically bailed on developing young guys and started trading first-round picks to bring in win-now veterans. And he knew at some point, you know, it was like basically the housing bubble in the NBA. Like, at some point, this is going to pop, and we're going to have nothing left. But that's just the pressure of building around LeBron. So he he then went on first take uh, the the day after um, this story came out. And he basically, he, he tried to dial it back just to make it clear that he wasn't talking about LeBron specifically. He said, the fact that there was so much scrutiny in everything we did, when I was speaking about being uncomfortable and being miserable, it was my inability to deal with the media scrutiny. It wasn't the man himself. It was everything that came with the team 
led by LeBron James. It had nothing to do with being miserable with LeBron. We had and have a very positive relationship. So I'm thinking about all these comments Mm. in the context of the Lakers now. Because I think the Lakers are in a very similar boat where we saw it last year. LeBron joins, signs there as a free agent. They pitch him on, we're going to build a team without shooters and with playmakers, and we're going to take some pressure off of you. It goes south quickly. LeBron gets hurt. Uh, Ingram and Ball get hurt. Anthony Davis trade stuff comes out. Uh, his trade request and then poisons the locker room because all the young kids realize that LeBron's trying to trade them all. They get the Anthony Davis trade done this summer. They totally refurbish their roster. But now there's pressure again where mm-hmm. if the Lake, I mean, the Lakers, <laughs> they at least need to win one playoff series, if not two, where I feel like Rob Polinka's head might roll. So, oh, for sure. So, yeah. so how, like, I, I mean, I guess just what is your reaction to Griffin's comments in the context of the Lakers and the pressure they're going to be under this year? Well, first and foremost, LeBron's new nickname is Housing Bubble. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think he hit it on the, uh, the nail on the head there. So as a GM, you have to look forward and you have to look like several years ahead. Mm-hmm. That's, that's your job. You're building a team. Building a team is not something you do from year to year in that sense you're trying to make a plan and you know maybe some of those plans need to pivot in in you know because of certain issues mm-hmm. but that you, you still have like a primary plan that you go to you still have an objective you still have a vision and then when lebron arrives or someone else like when, when immediately when it is when an organization says well you know what let's let's change that vision because you know player x is available and that just changes our entire timeline. Then suddenly you're you're not able to you know create long term plans. Now you're simply in the mud. You're trying to survive on a daily basis. Oh, okay. How do I improve this team right now? Right. Like how do I win a trade right, right now? How do I sign the best player that I can possibly sign with no money right now? Everything becomes like here and right now. And if you don't get it done, you're out. Which is an enormously pressurized situation. Which is not great for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get it. I completely get it. Like, obviously, David Griffin is going to experience pressure with Sion and everyone else in a couple of years. Because when they've grown and they've gotten accustomed to the league, the next level of expectation is going to be wins. Right. And playoff wins, preferably. Mm-hmm. But at that point, he would have had the time to implement his long-term strategy, slash plan, slash vision. And that's what they're hoping for. All GMs are hoping for Right. They're they're waiting for a specific date to roll up where they can say, okay, we made it. We we are where we should be. And now it's time to win. That situation in Cleveland was just bad. Remember, they he hired um, David Blatt as well. And Blatt came in with right. this idea of, you know, I I want to uh, you know, build a new team. I, I, I'm ready to be here for at least a couple of years. Yeah. I want to develop the youngsters let's see what we can get out of them and suddenly everything was turned on its head with LeBron coming in it was like oh okay instead of coaching like a a whole youth movement now I have to coach one of the greatest players of all time who comes in with severe expectations Mm -hmm. on you know that is basically just being put on my shoulders right that I mean that goes for GMs as well 
That sure. that pressure is not just for David Blatt or for the LeBron's teammates or whatever. That goes for David Griffin as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I completely can relate with. That. Well, I can't relate personally, but I can understand. <laughs> right. Right. And 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 from the Lakers' perspective, I have to assume that that Rob Palinka also shares those feelings and those views, unless he's, you know, just not bright enough to realize <laughs> the situation that he's in. Um, which I'm sorry. I mean, that's that sounds horrible and right. awful and all that. But I mean. Look, he's said some really dumb stuff over the past couple of years. <laughs> right. So I'm not really sure that he's, I don't know, he, he doesn't seem like a guy who's that concerned about it. But if he is, I understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it was, I, I understand why there was such a <clears throat> immediate reaction to those comments because it did sound like he was throwing LeBron under the bus. But he really speaks to what we knew about Cleveland for a long time, that there was immense pressure. And then that, you know, LeBron signing the one plus one deals all the time. Like he put them, he put the fire under them the entire time. He didn't do what he did with the Lakers where he gave them a three plus one deal. He gave them time to reshape themselves. Having to constantly, you know, win his affection over on a year to year basis really was just an unsustainable team building model and mm-hmm. you know I, I i completely understand where griffin is coming from here i don't think i i i get why people overreacted to those comments but i think they were all pretty fair to be honest yep. and, and you're right he is going to deal with that at some point in new orleans too it that's just how team building is these days especially now where contracts seemingly mean less than ever and where player movement is more prevalent than ever, especially with superstars, at some right. point, you know, Zion came out and said, like, I hope to spend my whole career in New Orleans, because of course he did. Every star player who gets drafted says that. But if you're looking five years down the road, and Zion, they haven't built a sustainable team around Zion, he's going to get wandering eyes, just like every other superstar does. That's just the yeah. name of the game today. So it's, it's a testament to Griffin that he... He recognizes that, and what he's done this summer, you know, we've we've lauded him the entire summer. He's done a phenomenal job rebuilding the Pelicans on the fly, and it seems like his experience in Cleveland has shaped him to the extent that he knows now how to approach team building. Like, he specifically, when he traded Anthony Davis, he won the lottery. He knew he was getting Zion. When he traded Anthony Davis, he wanted young guys to build around Zion with. He gets Lonzo Ball. He gets Brandon Ingram. He gets Josh Hart. He gets guys on that same developmental timeline where, yeah, you still have Drew Holiday and you bring in J.J. Redick and you bring in Derek Favors. So that team could be competitive now. Like They could be at least in that fringe playoff contention this year where they're in that like 7, 8, 9, 10 mix, but they're also built for the long term which is something right. the Pelicans never did around Anthony Davis. And it's something that Cavaliers didn't have the luxury of doing around LeBron James. This just makes me think so much more about what an attraction situation it must be to, to you know work as a GM for the Bulls when you really think about it. Complete job security. Whenever things get tough, you just trade out and start <laughs> rebuild once again. Right. And nothing happens to you. Yeah. Like, I, wow. But... <laughs> No, but again, it, it. I think those the GMs that are under pressure, like real pressure, mm-hmm. 
and who performs under that pressure. Those are the one who comes out looking the best. Yeah. And Griffin has proven to do that. They won a ring in, in Cleveland. I mean, I get that that was a very stressful period in his life. But at the end of the day, he's also going to look back at that ring and going, well, I'd, at least I won one. Right. I mean, I have that one. <laughs> For sure. For um, sure. And, and in New Orleans, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be difficult at some point. He, he There are a lot of relationships to manage. And I, I also think that a large percentage of that roster is not going to be there if they ultimately win a championship at some point because how often do you see that? Right. I mean, you, you have to shuffle things around. Maybe something works out, maybe doesn't. Like, maybe, maybe theoretically, maybe the best rookie in New Orleans doesn't end up being Zion. Maybe it's Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yeah. Like, if you catch my drift. Everything right, is... Right. is and, and then you have to pivot. Then you have to figure out, oh, okay, then what do we do here? Mm-hmm. Do we... Do, like, in year three or four, like, if he hasn't panned out, like, he's good, but isn't that superstar that we all expect? Like, then, then you start to tinker. Do, do you move Zion? And what do you move him for? Mm-hmm. Like... Everything has to go into this plan. So there are a lot of things for him to figure out. But at the end of the day, he's just the right guy for it. And yeah. he's been, like you said, phenomenal. Phenomenal. This, this, this summer. Just um, just doing everything right. Uh, this interview that he did, I also think was right. And he didn't say anything that was unacceptable. I, I think it was only the aggregation sites that thought right, it was right. weird and started attacking him and whatnot. But I don't even know if it was the, the sites that did it. I think they just presented his quote and then that just, you know, maybe they didn't provide the context necessary because if you're reading, like, when I read Fisher's whole piece and I, I kind of knew just because I do this thing for a living that like, oh man, that's a juicy quote. That's probably going to blow up. But yeah, it the way that Jake presented it and the way that the story was laid out, I don't think it was unfair. I mean, I, I think it was, he presented it with the proper context. It's just like, this is the name of the game. If you have a juicy quote, it's going to end up on a quote card. It's not going to get the proper context and then people are going to freak out. Right. And that, that's really the, that's a major issue in our line of work as well. Like you, you hear Zach Lowe on podcast even saying hey you know what i'm gonna say something don't pick it apart like don't right, don't right. isolate what i'm gonna say and just spread it out over you know 1000 articles yeah and windhorse does it too like hey he, he always does like that hey aggregators <laughs> this yeah. is not don't use this this is my opinion this is not reporting but right yeah right. i mean it is it is something to keep in mind for sure uh more i think that's a good place to wrap up So thank you to everyone for listening in. As always, we will be back hopefully later this week. We're, fingers crossed, we have a a special guest lined up for you. Uh, In the meantime, please follow us on Twitter, at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian, and uh, thoughts to uh, all the the unfortunate happenings over the past couple of days with the with the with the shootings in the U.S. Yep, 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 yep. It's it's almost you don't even know which one you're referring to, which says it all. Yeah, that says it all, and I'm re- absolutely refusing to save thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Thank you. But yes, yeah. Uh, condolences and let's let's yep. hope something changes at some point. <laughs> at some point. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Later, man. Later.
We're here at Circle K witnessing a legendary drink mix for 79 cents. Looks like he's going with red sports drink. And now lemon lime soda. Oh, the Cola Froster Top-Off. Polar Pops and Frosters are only 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. We're here at Circle K witnessing a legendary drink mix for 79 cents. Looks like he's going with red sports drink. And now lemon lime soda. Oh, the Cola Froster Top-Off. Polar Pops and Frosters are only 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations.